0: Hey guys, Stephanie here. Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast where we talk about different ways to create generational change in the topics of marriage and mindset, health, faith, finances, parenting, kind of the whole nine. Um, and today's episode is a best of LTM or Legacy Through Motherhood episode. And now that we're kind of inching closer to 100 episodes, sometimes the amount of episodes, especially if you're new, can get overwhelming. So I've decided every now and again to kind of throw in a best of LTM episode. And this usually is an episode that maybe had either a ton of downloads or maybe just a ton of buzz after the episode aired. Basically, it is an if you can hear my little sweet Lucy, she's right next to me. (laughs) If you don't know, we have a four-week old. Anyways, um, basically it's just an episode that you don't want to miss. So I kind of bring it back up to the front for you every once in a while. So today's episode is a really special one because it was my very first episode. (laughs) It is called The Battle for your mind. And it is the number one most downloaded episode of this entire podcast. And yes, of course, like part of the reason it has the most downloads is because it was the very first episode. However, there's actually a huge gap between this one and the second most downloaded episode. And this episode has actually been shared to so many women and I still love it as much today as I did when I sat down as a brand new, super insecure podcaster and created it for you. I still remember exactly where I was when I wrote this episode, and I remember sitting it out into the universe for the first time and just praying that whoever needed to hear its message would find it. So without further ado, here is one of my favorites and one of the best of Legacy Through Motherhood episodes, The Battle for Your Mind. Hey guys, this is Stephanie. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, and today we are going to talk about mindset. Mindset was a pretty obvious first choice to me, just because it really does affect everything. Donald Hebb, an early pioneer of neuroplasticity and neuropsychology, said this, Neurons that fire together, wire together. This is not going to be a science lesson necessarily, but I do want to validate some of the stuff that I am going to say today. And these are not just like nice ideas or interesting assumptions, though new things are still being discovered all the time. The bottom line stays the same. Our thought life is so, so powerful. And you guys, we can literally change the wiring in our brain by our thoughts. And actually, if you look at a brain scan from someone who is positive, it will look different than someone who complains all day, every day. So basically what Donald Hebb said was neurons that fire together or our thoughts wire together, structurally change the brain. There was a story i heard once about a shipwreck and i can never retell it the way that i heard it but the lesson still remains the same so once there was a shipwreck and the passengers had to board two different lifeboats there were about 10 people aboard each of these lifeboats and there was food and water on each of them the captain or the presumed leader of one of these lifeboats calculated that it would take about seven to ten days of rowing to make it back to shore Looking at the food and the water and the amount of physical exertion this was going to take, one captain just told their passengers that there was such a small chance to get back to shore and that there's really only enough resources for them to survive for six days, which was probably a decent estimate. And sadly, by the sixth day, all of the passengers had died. Meanwhile, though, on the other boat, the captain or the presumed leader on that boat looked at the food and saw that it would only last six days. However, he looked at his passengers of mothers and fathers and children. He had the exact same thoughts that the other captain did and that it was not going to be enough to last. However, the captain took a different approach. He told the passengers not to worry. The food would have to be rationed, of course, but it was plenty for them to survive and that they could do this. And what do you think happened to these people? You guys, all 10 passengers and the captain made it back to shore alive. All 10. So that story I just told is fiction, but I don't remember if I listened to it maybe in like a leadership training or a leadership book that I read, but it is spun off of real events that has happened in history. If you look up stories like the Shackleton expedition that happened in the early 1900s where he basically got stranded with his entire crew um, in ridiculous weather conditions and their attempt to reach the South Pole. Their boat ultimately just sank, but he ended up keeping all 22 of his passengers alive And brought them to safety. And this case has been studied and studied and studied. And a researcher said this, what I realized from this case is that as a leader, you have to have an unshakable faith in your mission, yourself, and your abilities. The hardest part of leadership is not just feeding your team with ideas and motivation, but feeding yourself in the face of enormous obstacles. Shackleton found a way to do this. They recovered his diary, or maybe he just gave it to them. I don't know. Whenever he got back, and reading through it, people realized that he was terrified, that he had no idea. He felt super ill equipped. He would write about, um, you know, all these people that are depending on him, and he has no idea what to do. But in the times when he doubted himself the most is when he just put on a huge act for them so that they would believe that he knew what he was doing and ultimately that would give them hope. So it's a really cool story actually if you want to check it out. So anyways, these stories always just give me chills for some reason. It kind of reminds me of like an old married couple that has been married for like 70 years and then once like one passes, usually it's not too long before the other one follows suit. Or there are statistics that after someone retires, if they just stop working, stop living and stop doing, then there is an accelerated death rate. Your body knows if there is a will to live or not. It is also impactful to me because the lives of the passengers were in the captain's hands, going back to that two lifeboat story. The way that the captain portrayed what was possible and what was not possible mattered. In this situation, it meant literal life or death the passenger's life was directly tied to that leader. Proverbs 18:21 says this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You guys, our mind and our thought life is that leader and we are the passenger. And ultimately, we are the leader in our family and our children are those passengers. It starts with us. If our mind is weak and unchecked, then how in the world are we going to lead others well, especially our children? And a quick side note, if you or your child suffers with some kind of depression or any other chemical imbalance in the brain, please do not hear that it is your fault because you did not lead them well or your thought life was not in control or whatever that might be. Okay, though thought life can really only help depression and anxiety, and even some types of brain damage, actually, you guys know there's more going on there and you are safe here. You will never hear me say if you could just think a little more positively or pray a little harder or have a little more faith, then this would not be your struggle. Okay, just no, that will never come out of my mouth. But obviously, you can still take what you can from this and run with it. For everything else, whatever you need to do that is between you and your family and your physician, I'm in no way a doctor. I see you guys though. The point is, is that whether you have anxiety or depression or you don't, I think we all have let our thought life drift more than we would like to admit. Okay, so let's bring it back. Now that we're clear on any time I'm talking about mindset, I'm talking about the things we are in control of. There is a reason there is a verse in the Bible in 2 Corinthians that tells us to take every single thought captive. Why? (laughs) Because it is possible to not be in control of the thoughts that are in our own head. Have you ever started thinking about something and you've went down some weird path and then realized, what in the world am I thinking right now? I do this with my Uber drivers. I don't know if anyone else does. But I have to tell you this story about a time my family went to Myrtle Beach on vacation and our car broke down about two miles or so from our hotel. I had three little babies at the time. My oldest was only like four or five, maybe. And we had been trying to figure out our car for a good like two hours at this point and it was getting dark. So Justin was just like, why don't you just Uber back with the boys, back to the hotel, you know, and I'll continue to work on this car We had to check out in the morning. So we like had to get our car fixed, but I was so nervous because I would be alone with my three helpless babies in the car with a complete stranger and also in a completely unfamiliar area. But Justin was like, it'll be fine. You know, I'll I'll watch the driver's GPS the entire way until you get home. So anyways, we did end up getting an Uber and me and my three little ones got in the car and it was maybe like a four minute car ride. And guys, I am telling you, I had this driver's entire death planned out. I had every escape plan mapped out. I had thought about how I would take control of the car, how I would get my babies out, what I would tell them to do and where to go. And we were driving and we kind of approached an entrance to an, a major highway, like an on-ramp. But our hotel was the opposite direction. Like he would have to go right to get on that on-ramp and left to go to our, to our hotel. And I just remember sitting there like, oh God, please do not get on this highway because I'm going to have to kill someone. (laughs) And you guys, he didn't, he did not get on that highway. He turned left, took us to our hotel and drove us just straight there. Okay. And we hopped out, but he had no idea that I had rehearsed his entire demise in my brain. And when I was walking to the door, I busted out laughing (laughs) and I called Justin Because I am really not someone who suffers from any kind of like anxiety or anything like that. But seriously, my mind just went and it went from chilling on vacation with my family to murdering someone in four minutes. Okay. Send help. Good Lord. So that is a stupid example. And honestly, maybe even a little justified because we go into that mama bear mode. But don't you guys see this in other areas of life? You're annoyed with your spouse, and then all of a sudden, you can go down a path where every single thing they have ever done to annoy you or hurt you is playing over and over in your mind. We can spiral with our self-talk when we mess up or we make a mistake, when in reality, whenever that first thought hits, we got to take it captive, hear it for what it is, and then stop that thought pattern and move forward. I heard on a podcast called The Purpose Show, the host is Ali Kazaza, and she explained it this way, you let the thought come up to the gate, but you don't let it in. Okay, so let's use a football analogy for mindset really quick, because I love the movie The Blind Side. A scene during this movie is what I picture when I think of the importance of taking control of my thought life. And to kind of set the stage here, this movie is a true story of the NFL player, Michael Orr, and spoiler alert, (laughs) he was a homeless teen that was taken in by a wealthy family. He was a big guy and the mom was like a football fanatic. So she started to put him into football, but he had never played. So he wasn't really catching on at first, but he continued to be coached and she continued to support him. So I don't know, about like halfway through the movie, they show this pivotal football game. The team that Michael Orr is on has been struggling the entire game, okay? They cannot keep the quarterback safe because their offensive line is just not holding strong. Michael is just not blocking like he should, and the other team's defense keeps getting through and either stacking the quarterback or having them lose yards, okay? So this is going on for the majority of this game until... Michael Orr has a mindset shift. He realizes that blocking is a way for him to protect his family, his football family. Then another play begins. Both teams kind of get into formation. They get settled into their three-point stance. Michael Orr is staring at his opponent, who has been trash-talking him all night. And he just closes his eyes, and he hears his mom's voice say, This team is your family, Michael. The whistle blows and Michael blocks this guy, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 yards. It's excessive. The scene from the movie kind of shows him blocking this entire time. The sound of the game fades out and it's a really emotional scene because he finally gets it. He gets blocking in a big way. He understands the importance of blocking is for his family and for his teammates. So let's bring this back to our mindset analogy. If our minds, okay, now listen, try to follow with me here, okay? If our minds are the quarterback, you guys, once that ball is snapped, the opposing team's D line is coming for us fast and without mercy. If our offensive line, figuratively speaking, is weak, then we are screwed. You guys, Satan is that defensive line and he is trash talking us. He is taunting us and he is coming for us. There is no time to learn on our feet when it is game time. He is too fast. He has too much experience and he is a master manipulator. But, but if we can train our offensive line to push back, then it gives our quarterback or us in this situation Enough time to freaking think about what just popped into our head and put it in the place that it belongs. But this takes practice. We got to build up our offensive line because Satan is not backing down and he will sack us in a hot second if we do not get our act together because he is coming. The second that whistle blows, it's fair game. But the question is, are we going to get sacked? Or are we going to block him to the parking lot where he belongs? I vote for the second option. And for many of us, we feel like this defeated team for the majority of our thought life. We've been unsuccessful. We've been knocked down. We've lost to temptation time and time again and just cannot seem to get our footing long enough before the next blow comes. But the cool thing is, is just like in this game, once we get it, Once we know how to armor up, then we can make a change in one second, in one minute, in one play. We can dig deep right then, close our eyes, remember who we are in Christ, and then have the tools to take every thought captive and put them in their rightful place. So then that's great stuff. (laughs) but how do we gear up or how do we armor up and strengthen our willpower when it comes to our thoughts? Well, the first and the easiest one is affirmations. We will talk about these during this episode, but in future mindset episodes, we are going to just go so much beyond um, affirmations. Okay. But these are so simple and can be such a quick win. If you are just starting out, these are also so impactful for our children if you have subscribed to the Legacy Through Motherhood email list, my very first freebie I give out is an affirmation cheat sheet for you and your kids. I give a quick explanation of just how to do it and I give you some of my exact affirmations to start. Then I give affirmations for younger kids and older kids as well. And it's so so very simple, you guys, and it's something that me and my family have personally used for years. So Let's talk affirmations really quick, okay? So we've probably all heard of them. Maybe you think that they are super odd to do, or maybe you kind of get the point, but not really. I don't know. I don't know where you are in this journey, but just hear me out. Remember when I said at the beginning, neurons that fire together, wire together? Meaning that what we think about actually physically changes the wiring in our brain? Okay, so how many of you guys are just positive, even most of the time? Not just on the outside, I mean like on the inside, to yourself when you look in the mirror, when you look at your bank account, when you mess up, or even when you get a compliment. I've only just recently been able to take a compliment without shrugging it off or feeling the need to disprove it in some way right? Somebody will be like, hey, you look cute today. And I'll be like, thanks, because I showered. (laughs) Right? It's just that like immediate, like want to just be like, well, let me give you a reason for it or whatever it is. But honestly, not many of us are super positive, especially to ourselves, naturally. We just default to our flaws or hang on to something negative someone else has said about us. So affirmations have a place here to speak truth over yourself. They are probably things you would think or say to others, but for some reason, you don't say and think those things yourself. So to get technical, affirmations are statements said with confidence about a perceived truth. They have the ability to program your mind to believe the concept you just said out loud because our mind, you guys, does not know the difference between what is real and what is not real. You are more or less telling your brain who you are and then working to make that statement a reality. When we change our thought patterns to make us believe we are a specific type of person, we tend to act and show up like that type of person. So our word choice matters. So let me read you a couple of my affirmations that I say daily. I always reach my goals because I stick to my action plan. I am fully resourced to do everything God has called me to do. I expect a lot from my body every day, so I affirm it's right to expect healthy fuel from me. I am a faithful and loving wife and a godly parent. My family is blessed. You guys, these are not always true of me, okay? When I say that I stick to my goals. Actually, I am kind of an impulsive person. I have a strong start with most things, but I bolt out of the on gate like a racehorse when I get excited about something. However, my finishing game hasn't been super strong, but I'm at a point in my life where I am less interested in the things that I can start and more interested in what I can finish. My word for this year is just sustainability and the quote, long-term consistency beats short-term intensity for me is so huge. So this affirmation was made to tell myself that I am a finisher because you guys, I can be, I can be a finisher. And I know that. I also don't always feel resourced to do everything God has called me to do. If you follow me on Instagram, then you saw mainly on my stories about when we fostered three extra kiddos October and November of 2019. When we got licensed, we were only planning on taking one little girl that was either two years old or younger for a lot of reasons. Our agency that we foster through has about an 80% foster to adopt rate, and I live right in the middle of three of the top five cities for overdoses in the U.S., So you can imagine how many children are coming into care. So anyways, since there is a high likelihood of adoption, which by the way, we are 100% for reunification whenever that is safe and possible. However, if it's not a safe or a viable option for the child to go home, then we are open to adoption. So we felt like, if you've seen a picture of my family, (laughs) we felt like if we adopted a little boy, then he would have four blonde-haired, blue-eyed brothers that all look alike, and they all look like their dad. But a little girl, regardless of how she looked, would be her own little self within our family. Okay, So you can kind of agree or not on that decision, but that's where we landed after the whole application process. Anyways, back in October, we got a call for a three-year-old boy. And it wasn't a girl, but that's okay. We said yes anyways. Then we got a call back saying, actually, you know what? He has a three-week-old little brother, and the caseworker asked if we would be willing to take him also. I just kind of laughed because I'm already a full blown boy mom and I love it. And I just joke that if we had more biological kids, they would probably be boys because I am just meant to be a boy mom. So here I am. We put, you know, that we only wanted girls on our, you know, application. And here I'm getting a call for two boys. Anyways, adding two kids felt like a stretch, but we said yes. Then 20 minutes later, the caseworker calls me back and they say, hey, We are driving around with their two-year-old little sister, and we do not have a home for her, and asked if we would consider taking her. I mean, my heart dropped. I was actually sitting in the middle of a UDF um, getting my boys ice cream during this call. Like, what do you do in that situation? But we just decided that we could figure it out, and I just told them to bring her on over. We'll make the room. And ultimately it was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my entire life. I'm not going to go into all the ups and downs, but it was a lot. Okay. And also God did resource me with all that I needed. We had found a Nissan Envy about three weeks prior to that call. That's a 12 seater van, by the way, people call it a bus. We had people just surround us for those two months and they brought food. They cleaned my house. They would just check in nonstop. And it made me realize that I cannot do it all. But when I am called to be in over my head, God came through with a village. And honestly, I didn't even realize it was that deep. Had those people not come through for us, you guys, we would have absolutely drowned. Did I mention the ages of all seven of those children? I had a three-week-old, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, two three-year-olds, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old, okay? I had six kids under five years old. (laughs) It was a little crazy, okay? And a newborn that never slept. So they are back home now, and we miss them, but we are very happy for them. If you want to see that journey and their sweet faces, kind of, head over to my Instagram. It is in one of the spotlight stories there. So you can kind of see that you build affirmations around what you are finding hard to believe about yourself, but that you ultimately know is true or can be true about yourself. But here's a quick disclaimer (laughs) about affirmations, okay? Affirmations without action is just a delusion you can't just sit and say, I make healthy choices and then sit on the couch eating cookies, binge watch Netflix. I mean, you can, but that kind of makes you delusional. But if you say, I make healthy choices and then you're genuinely trying each and every day. And then one night you sit and you eat cookies and you binge on Netflix, then fine. You aren't delusional. You are a human. (laughs) Okay. Side note. At the time that I was writing this episode, it was a day after the foster kids left, (laughs) and that night, my husband and I were sitting on the couch, and no joke, I had the gallon of chocolate milk sitting next to me, and I was eating a giant blueberry muffin from like Kroger or something as we watched The Rookie, and Justin just looked over and laughed and said, you need to get your act together, (laughs) and I just said, don't judge me. And I just kept eating my muffin and drinking my chocolate milk. And it's okay. (laughs) If that is your every night, then that may not be okay, but it's okay. So let's pivot and talk about affirmations for your kids. This is something I am so, so passionate about. And I have been doing with all of my kids almost every day for a couple of years now. So my kids are seven, five, three, and one right now, okay? I do these for the older three. They are very simple, and I pretty much just follow the fruits of the spirit. Their affirmations are things like, I am loved, I am kind, I am patient, I have self-control. For my older two, we've kind of added a little more complex ones, like, I can do hard things and mistakes make me grow. As moms or parents in general, we do things in hope that they stick or are making some kind of impact. I do these almost every single day with my children, yet I'm still dealing with kids who are not patient, who lack self-control, and often aren't kind to one another. However, I want to tell you two stories about my children that brought me to tears almost instantly. It will also show you two different ways that you can use affirmations. So the first was with my oldest, Noah. He was reading a book and came across some big word. I can't remember exactly, but it was something like amphibian, okay? Naturally, I jumped in as soon as he got to that word, and I just said, oh, buddy, that's a hard word. And I was about to read it to him, and he just said, that's okay, mom. I can do hard things. And he sounded it out with my prompt that the PH actually sounds like an F, and you guys, he read it correctly. And my heart just just melted. You know, when you think like they aren't really soaking something up, but then they prove to you that it is actually making an impact. Proof is in the pudding, you guys. The second story I want to tell you is with my son, Graham. He is my three-year-old and right when he turned three, he was giving me just a run for my money. My older two were easy. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I had this kid who defied every single ask. It would not matter if I asked him to go get a popsicle from the freezer. It was going to be a power battle. Needless to say, if a popsicle set him off, you can only imagine if I asked him to like clean up after himself. It would turn into a screaming match that ultimately ended him in his room. And then he still hadn't even picked up anything that I asked of him. He would cry, and then I would have to have him come back out, and then I would ask him again to put the shoes in his room or or whatever, and again, he wouldn't do it. (laughs) He would just shove it kind of like an inch at a time with his foot as he like scooted across my floor. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And I was just, I was honestly just at a complete loss. This has been going on for a while. And there ended up being more to this, and I will get more into that in a following health episode, but I was talking to a friend and just venting, and she had made a suggestion. She had said, what if you say something positive like, hey, I need a really smart boy to put their shoes away, or I need a good listener to put that toy in a bin. I was intrigued by that idea because it's affirmations, only in a different way. So I started right after that conversation you guys. (laughs) He did it immediately. I literally just said, hey, Graham, I need someone who is super smart to put that toy in the bin. And he like lit up with the biggest smile and just shook his head. Yes. And then he ran and put it in his room or the bin. And I'm like, okay, we're onto something here. So then I just continued. I need somebody super fast to put those toys in the bin. And he hopped right up and he did it. So excited to show me how fast he was. Also, fun fact, if you follow me on Instagram, you know our boys are all blue-eyed blondes, except for my gram. (laughs) He has green eyes. So we will say, oh man, I really need someone with green eyes to come and put these blankets back in the bin. And it excites him so much because he knows he is literally the only one in the house with green eyes. Therefore, the only one that can help us. <laughs> so there are two different ways that you can use affirmations. And if you haven't subscribed to my email list, go on over to www.simsarrows.com and sign up just to grab that guide. It's a great encouragement and it's an easy transition into affirmations. Another way to use affirmations, and this is the last one I will talk about in this episode, is by using specific words to answer others or yourself. For example, if you have smoked for 20 years and you are trying to quit smoking, and someone hands you a cigarette, you could turn it down in one of two ways. You could say, no thanks, I'm trying to quit smoking. Or you could say, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. Now, which one do you think is more powerful? When you say, no thanks, I'm trying to quit smoking, you are telling yourself that you are a smoker, you're just trying to quit. But when your response is, no thanks, I'm not a smoker, you're telling yourself who you are. Even if every fiber in your being wants that cigarette, okay? it just makes a difference. The way you respond makes a difference and what you tell yourself makes a difference. To wrap this episode up, I want to remind you of the importance of affirmations for our kids. Think about us. God tells us who we are. He tells us that we are called, 2 Timothy 1.9. We are the apple of our father's eye, Psalm 17.8. We are chosen. First Thessalonians one four. We are forgiven, Ephesians one seven. We are being changed in his image, Second Corinthians three hundred eighteen. We are a sweet fragrance to God, Second Corinthians two fifteen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm one hundred thirty nine fourteen. We are above and we are not beneath Deuteronomy twenty eight thirteen. You have been set free John eight thirty one, and we are victorious. Revelations twelve eleven. But you guys, we forget, we forget who we are. That's why we stay in the word. That's why we stay connected to our loving father. He reminds us when we forget who we truly are, he knows that we are all of those things. Just like we know our children are all of those things, kind and patient and loved and have self-control, but there is a war for their mind and their hearts out there, moms. We feel it in our hearts and minds every single day. Our children are not exempt from that just because they are children, especially in today's culture. And I'm not going to get on a soapbox right now, but I hope you hear me that their minds and their hearts and our minds and our hearts are on a battlefield. If we are not intentional with telling them who they truly are every single day, you guys, I don't know. I don't know how strong their little minds are. This culture we live in is a beast, (laughs) but I truly believe with all of my heart that our children are made for this exact generation, this exact culture, okay? So do not doubt them. Don't freak out about raising kids in this culture. We just need to raise up our children to be strong and prepared to change this world for good. They have what it takes, but we are their coach. A coach does not sit back and hope their team has a winning mindset. They coach them. They teach them how to think and how to play the game. They practice almost every single day to make sure they are prepared. My oldest son, Noah, plays a lot of sports (laughs) and is pretty athletic. But I remember last year he was in baseball and Justin and I hadn't really made the time to practice like throwing with him or, you know, practice working with ground balls or throwing him balls so he could practice hitting. And then the first game of the season came and it was a mess, you guys. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he struck out like the entire game, didn't really catch or throw anything and wasn't able to stop like any ground balls. Okay. Now listen, he's seven. Okay. So probably totally normal. And they're cute at this age, but they're not very good. (laughs) But I know that he could really do better than he was doing. And I just remember feeling so guilty. Because he was embarrassed that he swung and missed like five times off the machine and then had to go to the tee all game. He was embarrassed that he got ready to ground a ball and then missed because his form was off. He was bummed and I was feeling sad that he wasn't doing that great. It was kind of hard for me to watch because I knew he had asked a million times to practice this past week and I just kept saying, yeah, baby, we can in a little bit. And you guys, I just never got around to it. Sitting there watching him, I couldn't go back to all the times he asked me to practice. When he got in the car, after that game, he said, Mom, you guys said we could practice baseball this week and we never did. Ugh. <laughs> Gut check, right? Now, to be clear, we are not one of those parents that like drill our seven-year-old because we want them to be a pro. We do like to spend time working with them just to build a relationship. And Justin and I were athletes, but... There really isn't any pressure here for them to be amazing, but you know, that feeling when you know you could have done better, but since you didn't practice, you performed poorly and you regret not spending more time practicing. That's where we were. But the hardest part for me was that he couldn't go out and throw a baseball alone. He couldn't go throw a ball to himself and practice swinging his bat, even if we had some kind of fancy device that could do all of those things with him. They were never going to give him any like personal feedback. The only way that he was going to be more prepared for this game is if me or Justin went out with him and told him how to swing or gave him feedback on his form or showed him how to not let a ground ball get past him. This also happened with him when it came to spelling tests. He is in first grade and he has, I don't know, like six words a week that he has to learn to spell. Well, normally we would work on them each day. And he had gotten a 100% every single week since the beginning of the year, okay? However, when we got those three foster kiddos, I totally forgot about the words. And I tried so hard to practice with him the morning of his test, which I'm sure you guys figured out how that went. A, stressful, B, not helpful. And he got like a three out of six on the test or something. But that was also sobering because he had gotten... 100% all year long because I spent time every day with these words. We would spell them out loud. We would write them in a pan of sugar to bring some sensory into his learning. We would spell them with our finger in the air. You get the point. And every week he aced his spelling test until I stopped working with him. Once he's older, he will learn to study independently. But since he is only seven, he depends on me to make the time to teach him or coach him so that he's prepared he is capable of learning but the prerequisite of him learning right now is my time and intention of doing so so things are going to come up and we will say later to our children and genuinely mean it but then forget to come around to it we will have every desire to practice with them but life happens and it doesn't happen and that's okay right that's okay as long as that's not the norm especially when they will never sit around at seven years old or 10 or 15 and think, man, I really need to work on some of my affirmations and self-talk. You guys, they don't even have a word for that yet. They don't even know how important it is. Some of us don't even know about it. Some of us don't even know how important it is or that we have any kind of control over it. But that's where we come in as parents. We take the time to care about their physical and their emotional well-being, but let's not forget about their mental well-being. And I talked about this in the what to expect episode, but the thing that we need to remember is that we just need to start. We can start simple and get fancy later. There is so much information out there on the internet especially on like Pinterest or wherever else that show us all these elaborate charts and tracking systems, but that's not needed you guys to start these. I started with affirmations because they are so, so simple and they take like five minutes a day. And when done consistently, they can have a huge impact, not only on our mind, but on our children's mind. And that is a simple step that we can start taking together today. I have crafted these episodes to have a simple action step in each category each week. I am also rotating through all five topics, so we won't talk about mindset again for five weeks. And during that mindset episode in five weeks, I will give you something else simple to implement with the hopes that the affirmations you are doing are a habit by that time. So if you break it down for the year of 2020, We will focus on about 10 to 11 simple things to implement in each of the five areas, and they will all build upon one another. So if you can focus on each of the things that I go through, just imagine where you could be mentally or financially or in your health journey or your marriage or your faith. New Year's is coming, and I personally say we ditch the standard resolutions that fail within like three weeks on average, and just start focusing on the small daily wins and see what consistency can do for us in the year of 2020. And girl, don't forget, as you go into this day, whatever goal you are pursuing or whatever area you are struggling with, you are already enough. Okay, so action steps for this week, head on over to simsarrows.com to sign up and just grab my free affirmation guide that I made for you if you haven't already, or if you just want to like Google affirmations and piece it together on your own and make it up on your own, more power to you. Next, join the Legacy Through Motherhood Facebook group. This is different than my Facebook page for all of you guys who have already liked that. This group is new and exclusively for listeners to continue this conversation and just support each other during the week. I will have a pinned post that is all about mindset and affirmations, and I would love for you guys just to post the different affirmations um, maybe that you've chosen. Maybe you've used some of mine and found some other ones, or maybe you already do affirmations and... You know, you can post post those there. I got my affirmations from others because that just inspired me. So if we can just kind of maybe make a list of our affirmations and maybe even how it's going, um, I would I would absolutely love that, okay? And lastly, if you haven't yet and you're enjoying this content, please consider subscribing rating and reviewing this podcast. Once you feel confident to do so, it really does help get more of a reach to other moms that may need the same message. So join me on the next episode as we dive into finances, (laughs) my favorite. We are heading into the crazy buying season, but as Dave Ramsey says, do not go into debt buying stupid stuff. And don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have for people you don't like. Also, just a random tip that has worked for us. Our kids get three gifts each and every Christmas. No more, no less. If Jesus was good with three gifts, then my kids can be content with that also. Now, we go to their grandparents' house and they still get spoiled there. But in our home and in our intimate Christmas with just our little family, it's three gifts. In our home, we focus on the meaning of Christmas, on contentment, and giving. Then we go out and they get all kinds of stuff from their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles. We don't have to deal with trying to get bigger and better every single year. If something terrible happened later on and our money was tight, you guys, we would not have to worry about trying to like keep up with past Christmases, so our kids wouldn't be disappointed. It's just a simple and like sustainable approach for Christmas for us. It's not really how my husband and I were raised necessarily, but we started implementing this when our oldest was around three and it's been such a blessing ever since. All right, so go ahead and head over to that Facebook page and say hello. I am so excited to continue this conversation and help you find your grit as a mama while completely covering you in grace.